You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Here we go. Here we go. We're back. We're back. It's episode 32. 32. 32. Mm-hmm. And guess what, everyone? This one's coming out on December first <laughs> so we know what that means santa claus is coming to town baby. oh boy yep <laughs> yes <laughs> i keep bringing christmas stuff into our house every oh yeah i come in so let's bring on some holiday cheer bitches ho 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 other exciting news, we finally got our button maker. We finally got our button like, maker. I was like, I got some. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin, for yeah. sending me that Amazon gift card <laughs> for my birthday. So now we have a button maker. We have to We're make up some rad. of our designs mm-hmm. so we can make some buttons. Yeah. Send us your favorite catchphrases of ours. Yes. Or dumb shit that we yes. said that you would and wear we on a button. Do that up. We'll obviously do just some regular ones and we'll do some cryptid ones. And mm-hmm. so we've also. So written a few down that we'll definitely do but yeah we have a whole lot of buttons that we can make and we spent money on the damn thing yep it's so time. it needs to be used mm-hmm. so let us know i'm super hyped yeah it'll be good yep it'll be fun other fun and amazing things that happened today we dressed luna up as a present oh my god well we martha already put some on our story but we'll post those yeah one of the things i did today instead of writing this is i went shopping and just like with halloween which we never got around to getting her into the outfit it'll happen but um whatever we yes whatever we can do it whenever we want Mm -hmm. i bought her a stupid outfit that is a present so we dressed her up and um she was mad but adorable yes she's just the most, a normal like reaction to most well, things yeah she's just passive aggressive so she's not gonna actually do anything except just fucking pout yes so we just do it and she pouts <laughs> literally all, all the, the time. time so whatever it's her it's normal state but yes i mentioned that because everyone should see the pictures yes. because she's very cute yeah i'll post i'll post a couple of them next time because it was real cute Abby. you're welcome you're welcome Oh, another weird thing I did today mm-hmm. is they had like animal collars that were like cutesy with bells and shit on them, mm-hmm. and I bought one for, to use as a scrunchie instead. <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, they're really elasticy because nice. they're just like you put them over their so there's oh, there. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why yeah. the fuck not? Yeah. So I said, nope, this is gonna be an elastic mm-hmm. in my hair, and I'm just gonna fucking annoy everyone with bells. Okay. Hey. Also. You. So I was in my room the other day and then I had an annoying phone call and I was really mad and I was clearly upset and yelling and then I opened my door and we, so Martha and I at a convention, well, let's go back. Let's go back. Martha and I at our, the only convention we got to go to this year, there was a convention in Vegas and it was, it was small and we were only there for a couple hours, but it was cute. And we're so glad we went because it was the only one we went to this year. And we bought these cute little, they're called Squishmallows. So they're like 
kind of like Squishables, but like an off-brand, but also wicked soft and really adorable. Like, different type of squishy. Yes. Whatever the fuck is inside of them, I want to be like wrapped in it until yeah. I suffocate and die. So they're wonderful. At the convention, we bought, we each got mm-hmm. one. I got a little cute blue dragon and you got a... A little like monster. Yeah. So he's got these cute little buddy. things. He's good because I can they're like hair on the it. perfect like yeah the perfect squish like I basically cuddle mine every night because it's like the perfect thing for it's my arms to, to wrap around mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> she like was looking at them and she was like oh they're like on sale for only 16 bucks on Walgreens website mm-hmm. so we're like looking she's like okay well there's there's the we can go to the actual website but they're a little bit more and they're the smaller ones they're only 12 inches the ones at Walgreens are a little bit cheaper and they're they're 16 inches but like whatever just let me know what you want so I was like that's fine like they have uh, have like so I got a cute pig one and we (laughs) the ones we have so we're thinking the ones that we're getting are the same size as the ones we're thinking 12 really small I was thinking maybe ours are 12 they might be a little bit yeah so fast forward I walk out of my or I open my door to my room. I don't even walk out of my room because I don't need to go anywhere. And sitting right in front of my door, Martha has her it's her laundry basket to keep it up. This massive <laughs> pig squishmallow. It's so big. Like I guess it's 16 inches, but I feel like it's really two feet. Like it's so giant. Two feet. It's like yeah, the same height and yeah, width. Yeah, because the other one is round. not. Yes, no. The other one is more egg shaped. Yes, definitely. And even our Santa one, because I got a small Santa one because it was on sale. And I literally was just like, "Oh my god!" Because I just wasn't expecting it to be so big. And apparently, Martha had a very similar reaction, but I didn't hear it because my music's so loud when I spin. So I basically opened it and like burst out laughing. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck? Are you fucking? Is this a fucking joke?" It's so like, big. I guess. I guess that we'll is. have to take pictures of them and next to our normal size squishables. And now they're on sale for $10 at Walgreens, which is going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. Martha and I don't do throw pillows. We do stuffed animals. They're much more fun. They're so much more fun. And these are so much more comfy than any throw fucking pillow. Throw pillows are so uncomfortable. They're usually pointy. Yeah. Or, yeah, just a card. You're like, this is decorative. And I'm like, this fabric sucks. Yeah. I don't want to rub my face on this. Yeah, 100%. So... We'll make sure we post pictures of Luna as a present and our giant fucking squishables. Yes. Oh my god, they're so cute. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. Hard recommend if yeah. you are looking for something soft. They're so soft. And you are sad, and you want to. And they're something. so cute, and they come in so many different mm-hmm. fun things. Like, yes. we're gonna have, to, and they come with a name and like a little poem. Exactly. Yeah. So mine is Lucy May. She is a llama unicorn Pegasus. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's not look too closely. It's fine. But uh, and it says Lucy May is all about adventure and doing as much as she can on her roller skates. She has been known to fall asleep. Her favorite drink is boba, and on the weekends you can find her with her crew trying new roller derby tricks, which is the most lesbian. She's a fucking Animal Crossing character, just falling asleep in the middle of her activity. Oh yeah, that's actually true. (laughs) 
so cute. Mine's Peter the pig. He likes to sleep he likes with the pigs. To, and he likes to cuddle. It's <laughs> mm. like all the other pigs in the blankets. In a blanket. He's a piggy in a blanket. <laughs> I love him. He's much cuter than Peter Parker. Well, not hard. I'm good. I'm just saying. Peter Parker was always punching up with every person he dated. <laughs> You're true. a lovable nerd. It's true. It's fine. <laughs> but understand where you are. Yes. And your place. Recognize your place. <laughs> Fuck. All right. So I'm Brittany Petrino. I'm Martha Bartlett. And this is But First, Let's Talk Nerdy. Clank. All right. All right. So episode 32, I get to go first. I have been watching a lot of weird shit online and trying to find old shit that I wanted to watch. I watched some Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Did you ever watch that? Yes. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I forgot how violent and terrible this is. It's so good. (laughs) There's that one game where it's just all doors and half of them are real and half of them are fake and you just have to run through them. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's all shit like that. But that was one of the things I was watching. And then I was like, what's another weird thing that I'm strangely nostalgic for? And is it available online? And yes, it is. Uh, so I watched a couple episodes. So today I'm going to be talking about The Tick, the cartoon. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I've never watched one episode of The Tick. We will have to watch some because you'd probably like it because it's just like making fun of DC and Marvel all over the place. It's so fucking good. (laughs) Also, fun fact, so the tick is from, originally it was from a comic, uh, from New England comics. Also, when the tick, the cartoon starts out, he's in Nevada doing like a superhero convention. And I was like, hmm. Started in New England in the morning. And I was like, <laughs> stop being a nerd. It's so annoying. And then from then it moves to a place that is just a city called The City, capital T, capital C. You know. Hate it. <laughs> it was, I first knew it from the cartoon, which aired for three seasons from 1994 to 1996, which was a classic Saturday morning cartoon. That was too young for me. Yes, makes sense. Uh, the theme is fucking great, which I feel like classic 90s cartoon themes. <sighs> yeah, so many good ones are like, and they're all really good themes. Like, it's shit that I would walk around to happily any day. So, uh, Saturday morning cartoons were basically, when I was growing up, like, the, always a special time for us because my mom didn't work during the week and then she would work every Saturday and my dad had Saturday off. So we would spend the entire day, like not the entire day, but until mom came home, um, in PJs eating like sugary cereal that is very bad for us. I'm sure your mom loved that. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And then like, it was one of those things where dad would definitely like rush to get us dressed as soon as she got home. And she would know that we were in pajamas all day and be like, okay, I guess this is worth doing. That's fine. What the fuck ever. It's fine. <laughs> uh, so, Shout out, listener, parents, Martha's parents. <laughs> so the main character is obviously the Tick. 
who is a superhero, and his sidekick is Arthur, who is an accountant who found a moth suit and then wants something new and different with his life. Um, the Tick is basically like a big, tall, like Superman-shaped looking dude, you know, giant square jaw, big giant fucking muscles. Um, he's wearing a bright blue suit and he has like little tick antennae, I guess. And Do ticks actually have antennae? I don't think they do. I literally have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't they think have... they do. As someone who has seen a lot of close-up of ticks because of like... Do they have like little pincers? It's so. not what would be on top of their no. head that would be their teefies. I got, yeah. Yeah, no. I've he seen a lot of like ticks... A tick okay. I and was like, literally... I've seen a lot of ticks blown up working in the veterinary field. <laughs> in, in the... Ew, gross. That's... Well, I mean, like, blown up pictures. No, I've also seen disgusting I know, but I immediately ones. went to the other yeah, one. Yeah, they're gross. Um, and they're not black anymore when they're that big. No. No, I've <laughs> seen those. Yep. Yeah. Ew. Gross. Ugh, ticks are disgusting. But, yeah, no. Literally, in the first episode, they're talking to some other superheroes. Or maybe some villains. Oh, yeah, it's some villains. And one of the villains is like, How can you be the tick? You don't have eight legs. Aren't take a, takes arachnids and he's like, shut up. <laughs> no, like, no, no. Uh, I have these antennae. I'm the tick. It's fine. Blah, blah, blah. Today. Ticks are so gross. Yeah, they're very gross. And they don't have antennae. Cool. Good. To I know, know they do. I'm going to post a picture of a tick for everyone. Uh, so also, if you get bitten by a tick, please go get a, a, a Lyme disease test. They won't offer you one, but they will give you one if you ask. Mm-hmm. Oh, good to know. Yes. Fun facts with Brittany Vitrina. <laughs> Fun vet facts with Vi- Anyways, Brittany Anyways, so ticks don't have antennae. Mm-hmm. Their, their top legs kind of go out, but yeah. like most animals with eight, well, not animals. They're not animals. Most, most arachnids <laughs> with eight legs. Yes. Those are the front ones where they grab things. Yeah. And then the rest of them are leggies. Yep. More leggy legs. The regular regular tick. This tick. <laughs> the cartoon tick. The cartoon tick. Not the regular tick. The, the tick. Regular the regular regular one are real ticks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the tick, capital T, capital T, <laughs> is basically a surrealistic parody of superheroes. Um, he's well-intended and friendly and childlike. But he's also, like, very, ha that sort of type, like, bombastic and kind of a little bit stupid. He's had a lot of head injuries, which you can tell, but not in, like, a serial killer way, which I know we were both thinking. And if you weren't, I won't believe that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he's prone to, like, dim remarks and inspirational speeches filled with bizarre metaphors that don't really make a lot of oh, sense. Oh, so he should be on Love Island. Yes, he should. <laughs> Actually. He'd be right... He'd right. fit in perfectly. Yeah. He's very beefy and a little bit stupid and, like... Can't make a metaphor. No. Yeah, that's... Oh, I hate how well that fits. <laughs> um, yeah. 
So, and as far as the Tick's uh, superpowers, he possesses super hu- superhuman strength and mass. So he's beefy as fuck, but he's also very strong. And then he can inflict great damage. Uh, he does a lot of jumping over buildings. So because like, he's really strong. Because he's really strong. <laughs> and then, like, we'll... So he and Arthur will, like, patrol, and he'll be jumping on the buildings and just, like, smashing into them and making, like, big, giant dents. And it's like, you're doing great, buddy. I imagine that's how Steve Rogers handles anything. Yeah, actually. I just think about the scene in fucking um, Winter Soldier we just where want- <laughs> he just has no control over his body when he's, when he's chasing like after Bucky. Yes, ch- yeah. just runs through everything because like, he doesn't oh, no, understand his how- limbs or how strong he is. Like, do you not understand how to stop? And like, I can see your little skinny feet. <laughs> what? It's so what cute. The fuck? Okay. Basically, <laughs> he's very, very strong. Uh, the Tick claims to have the strength of 10, perhaps 20 men. A crowded bus stop. The Aladdin with Genie? Uh-huh. Yeah, actually. More or less. <laughs> um, stupider. <laughs> less, less stuff. Less money. <laughs> less Genie? Less money! <laughs> um, but yeah, he's also basically invulnerable. So you like throw him at something or somebody hits him with a knife or uh like he falls off a building shit like that and he just gets up and he's like mm-hmm. he's fine. yeah and he's a little bit like fucked up in the head afterwards but just a little bit stupider which you know it's it's a it's a level so um yeah he ends up surviving a lot of moments where it's like it's fine one in one of the episodes he falls 4000 feet out of the sky crashes through the concrete road into a subway tunnel and then he gets hit by a train and then he has only a brief but severe concussion <laughs> so you know he's he's like that and he doesn't have a super superpowered immune system because he does get like colds and shit like that does he have advanced healing he couldn't have advanced healing if he doesn't have a superpower immune system. No, it's all the same. Yeah, basically, he's just very, very strong and hard to hurt. Like, very, very hard to hurt. And then also, another one of his powers <laughs> is referred to as drama power. Basically, uh, a tendency for the takes powers to increase as the situation becomes more dramatic. So. Uh, he can also survive in space without a suit and underwater without oxygen for at least quote-unquote, a long time. Um, (laughs) Let's write this in, so if we ever need to do it, there's no specific (laughs) amount. Just a long time. (laughs) Yep. Arthur, on the other hand, has the powers of not being the biggest dumbass in the room. I thought you were going to say the powers of nothing. (laughs) And also, he has a moth suit with working wings, uh, and he was an accountant, so... Because that's going to help him so much in superheroing. Yes, it does really great. Also, so Arthur's suit is basically like, it's all a white onesie, and then it has goggles and like long antennae. Basically, all of the time, people are like, are you a bunny? And he's like, no, no. I have wings. I have have wings. They're just folded up right now. I just am not using them, so I've kept them out of the way. Like a polite person who's not a douchebag. Take that to heart any person who has a costume with wings at any time in your life. Though, you'd be surprised when (laughs) when I was following around Alex, who Mm -hmm. was Pixie that year. Yep. 
we would usually make sure whoever, whenever we were walking, someone would be behind her mm-hmm. holding her wings closed. And then we'd obviously, if we were just standing there, and I can't tell you how many times she would not be moving and people would walk into her wings and then give her a dirty look. That I'm not surprised And I'm like, I literally just saw you walk into her wings. Like, she didn't turn. She didn't move. She didn't get into your path. You just walked into her wings. This was? New York Comic Con. Exactly. Where everyone is a douchebag. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was just like... And smelly. Everyone yes, is smelly. Ew. I'm so the glad center is the we worst. stopped going to New Sorry, York. Sorry, we're on the West Coast. We're thereabouts, close enough, whatever. Yeah. So uh, we're never coming back to New York no. Comic Con. We also, didn't come back to New York Comic Con even when we lived on the nor- the East Coast. We're like, would you like to pay $12 million to, to not sleep do in anything? a postage stamp of a room, maybe get bud- bed bugs and have nobody understand any of your costumes? And pay a lot of money for it. Yes. And we said, no, no, bad. Like usually every time I leave a convention, I'm like, okay, this is sad, but I'm good to go home in New York. I was like, I need to fucking go home. Yeah. Like, even if we only came in on Friday, I'd be, it'd be like Sunday afternoon. I'd be like, we need to be leave. Like, I think I have a I sinus can't. headache. I need to fucking, the, like, if, if I hear someone fucking honk a horn one more time, I'm going to fucking punch through their windshield into their face. That'd be cool. <laughs> Because I am the tick. This is the one reason that we might go back to New York Comic Con. <laughs> we stopped going in what, like 2012? Yeah. Like, that's how much we didn't want to go anymore. We didn't move until 2019, and we stopped going to New York Comic Con in 2012. Yeah, well, it's very expensive. And gross and smelly. The last time we went, we were the Avengers. Remember we were eating, and people were, like, being mad, and we were like, no, we're not going to take pictures with yeah. you. I was like, I took my fucking shoes off. We're like, our shoes are off, our gloves are off, our masks are off. Like, we're sitting down in a line and mm-hmm. people are like, me. Which we didn't get into. Which anyways. we didn't get into, which was fine. Whatever. Martha then got really drunk on Ben's fucking Gatorade. Sports drink. Sports drink <laughs> is half Gatorade and half vodka. And <laughs> Martha got real drunk. So you hydrate while you dehydrate. <laughs> Yeah, that was... And I literally had to be like, you should be on the inside when we're walking back to our yes. hotel. Because she got kind of veering slightly into the road. Is this the time that I can tell the ballad of Jessica Jones? Yeah. Oh yes. my god. Okay. I've been waiting my entire life for an appropriate time for this. Basically, here's the deal. I made a jewel costume. Kind of. It wasn't fully made by the time I got there. Because Shocking no one who knows Martha. <laughs> because this is who I am as a person. This is why our cosplay group is called Good Enough Cosplay. Yes. Um, so I... Martha definitely embodies that the most out of all of us. <laughs> oh no! Well, somebody has to commit to the bit. It's fucking fine. I committed way back when, even though we didn't have this name back then. It's fine. She has this little dumb gem that I made out of, I cut out of like blue foam and then painted it with nail polish that At day. At the hotel. And glued it on me. Yeah. Um, I was going to do like inside, inside heels, which basically you like so stuff she, the heels Yeah, so she made a whole, her whole suit was like a onesie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you just 
cut a hole in the bottom and put the heel into the suit so it's just one yeah, so long piece. Like, yeah. yeah, as opposed to like there being a boot. Except for on one of the sides, I, I cut it on the top instead of on the bottom. And I didn't bring like normal socks or white socks. So they were like probably black or purple or something stupid like that. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I was like, oh shit. Well, I've ruined my costume. Everything's the worst. Let me die. Blah, blah, blah. One of us had boots. Uh, white boots. No, I had my Oh, you boots. had white boots. And, uh... Spider, who was with us, was yeah. like, just put your boots on. And I was like, oh. She was great that year. She was a lifesaver that year. Yes. Yeah. Just put your white boots on. It will be the same thing. It's just like kind of stylized. Nobody will tell the difference. Yeah, no one's And no one will know. know that you're a big fucking mess, which is great. <laughs> so I did that, put on my outfit. And uh, so Jules' outfit is basically, it's white it has that weird belt with the little diamondy thing on it, which is blue. And then the top of it has a point, but it's only on one side. Yeah, so it's, almost looks like it would be, be one sleeve. Um, it almost looks like it would be a uh, yeah, like a one sleeved. Uh, but it doesn't actually doesn't connect to sleeve. anything. Yeah. It just floats there, which is the stupidest. Because co- it's a fucking superhero. No costumes. person, like no fabric stays like that. No. That you're gonna ever move around. No, in. especially not fight crime in. But it's fine. Yeah, Jessica Jones. Yeah, so we did our whole thing. We did the costume contest. Um, before the costume contest, I got very, very drunk on Ben's lovely sports drink. Got up on stage, was up there, I guess, and then got off of the stage. And then yeah. I was like, you know what's weird? I feel like my crotch is basically in between my knees. And, um... It 100% basically was. Not only was it in between my knees, <laughs> so I yoinked it all the way the fuck up, but also I realized later that when I was looking at the picture and doing anything with one side, I just oh. did it according to the picture and not according to the picture on me. I didn't yeah. flip it. She would look I'm in the mirror idiot. and be like, oh, it matches me in the mirror. Yes. So it was mirrored on her. Uh-huh. So not only did I flip it, but also have tons and tons of fucking room. I had so much room in my like very drop crotch for poor fucking Jewel that I could yoink it all the way up and put the point on the other side and still not really lose any fabric in there. So that... Why did you... I know your torso is long, but why did you think your torso was 12 feet long? I'm like, why did you think your torso was your whole body? There were at least like seven or eight extra inches in there and I don't know how I took it. There was like until, at least a fucking foot extra in there. after the costume contest to realize that. And I was not drunk before when no. I tried it on. I was just panicking no. because I put my shoe hole on the top. <laughs> so, so yeah, later on I fixed that and then I never fixed the gem thing. That's still me. I never fixed the hole in your, your shoe. Oh no, I also never fixed that. <laughs> there was no fixing of that. That's just the end. Uh, so yeah, that is the ballad <laughs> of Jessica Jones. And she wore one other time and then never wore it again. <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, you know, I love Jessica Jones so fucking much, but I hate this costume a lot. <laughs> it's okay. I think I wore Spider-Woman twice and then never wore it again. That's fair. So that is that story. <sighs> Jesus fuck. We got here because we were talking about Arthur's wings. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Arthur sort of serves as a conscience to the tick because the tick is impulsive and kind of dumb. And he's like, oh no, what are you doing? Some of the time. Uh, he sometimes figures out the schemes of the villains and makes like an actual plan that is not just punch things to stop them. And uh, Arthur's battle cry is, not in the face, not in the face, which is one of my favorite things. In the first episode, the tick literally falls into Arthur's life after Arthur has lost his job because he won't not wear his moth outfit to work. <laughs> and uh, you're supposed to keep it a secret. Yeah, no. He, he just goes by Arthur at all times. He doesn't have like a superhero name. He's just Arthur. Yeah. If you're going to be a superhero... The Tick also doesn't have, like, a regular identity. He's just the Tick, so... Maybe he forgot it because he got hit a few too many times. That the is... Hey, Cameron. <laughs> that is, I think, canon in maybe some of the other iterations of the Tick. Yeah, basically, he falls into Arthur's life because he's jumping around and patrolling and... He thinks that he's going to bounce off of a flagpole and fly into the air, but uh, physics got in the way, so that didn't happen. <laughs> but yeah, basically, tick, the tick uh, gets assigned to the city, where there's literally a pile of superheroes who are here for this shit. And the first villains that you see in this are called the Idea Men, who are wearing masks over their faces, and no one can understand any of their demands. <laughs> so they keep being like, no! It's like, we don't know what you want. Why are you asking us for things? Typically, most episodes of The Tick would just include uh, The Tick battling a villain until Arthur is like, "Mm, here's a solution that's going to actually save the day. Though there's a lot of episodes that kind of went off from this weird formula. Um, Then The Tick declares a weird moral at the end and has like a weird little speech. It was usually aimed more at younger viewers, but it was definitely, like, there for both. So it was one of those things that you could definitely enjoy just as much as an adult. The literal pile of superhero characters that come out to save the day in just this episode. We have uh, Captain Lemming, who jumps off ledges to save the day, though he sometimes has trouble landing. A Superman dude who keeps trying to find a place to change and everything is fucking occupied. Like, he tries to find a bathroom and he's trying to get into, like, a telephone booth and everybody's got a place and he's like, ugh. D. Flatermouse, who is very much a Batman parody, but with actual, like, real bat ears, the real big round <laughs> ones, and a bat nose. Um, Deflator Mouse is actually a German operetta that translates to the bat and is sometimes called the revenge of the bat. Which This is one of those things that I only know because I was like, what the fuck does Deflator Mouse mean once upon a time? <laughs> American Maid, who is kind of like a combination of Wonder Woman and Captain America, and would happily step on you whenever she was given a chance. Or me, hopefully. Um, <laughs> she's basically one of the only people who's like remotely competent at all. And I love her. The caped chameleon, whose weakness is plaid. Big Shot. <laughs> <laughs> Big Shot, who is just the Punisher, but <laughs> the skull is a belt buckle um, that just says Big Shot on it. And he basically has no intention to jail the villains, and he ends up 
<laughs> At the end of the episode, he ends up wondering why his mother never loved him and crying on Arthur. Oh, <laughs> rough. Yes. Uh, the Tick also throws out catchphrases like, it's his job, too. He's uh, the, a character of every cartoony dope who believed in the power of good and was vaguely invincible. During this episode, he tells Arthur to hug destiny. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, the idea men try to blow up the town dam, and the Tick asks them, what's the big idea here? And the idea men are like, uh, our idea was that we could maybe steal money, be rich, and not have to work anymore. <laughs> I like that idea. I know, I was like, oh, I love That's that. Relatable. <laughs> yeah, so he calls them something like cads or sh- some shit like that and grabs the bomb that they've put on the the dam and begins defusing. And by defusing, I mean he punches his hand through half of the bomb and starts pulling on things, realizes that this doesn't work, and runs away and lets it blow up in his th- face. And he's totally fine and is like... Blows some smoke out, and that's pretty much the end of that. But that is how he and Arthur start their thing together. So I'm going to talk about a couple of my favorite episodes, and then we'll talk about a couple of the like ridiculous characters that I didn't get any chance to stick in, because there's a lot of them. But this next one starts with probably my favorite fucking Tick character, <laughs> Chairface Chippendale, who is a villain. And he is basically a snappily dressed villain with a deep voice, and his face is a chair. I fucking love him so much. He's very stupid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This episode is called The Tick vs. Chairface Chippendale. What kind of chair? Like a kitchen chair. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, so Arthur and The Tick are patrolling, and Arthur is like, so how long do we have to do this? Why are we doing this? And the tick is like, it's fine. Something will happen because we're superheroes. And of course, something immediately does. So they hear an alarm going off and they go to check it out. And <laughs> the bad guys that are there are Forehead, Zipper Neck, and Boils. And they're stealing a large crate. Is Zipperhead a zipper? Zipper Neck. And he oh, has a zipper, zipper Neck. neck. Gross. Yeah, basically at one point the tick is like fighting him and then he unzips his neck and he's like, Ugh! and that's how he like distracts him and gets away. <laughs> but yeah, um, so they're fighting everybody and they're quickly subdued. That's part of how they end up doing that. Um, luckily for them, American Maid um, arrives to help them out, but Forehead does end up getting away with the crate. Just in case you were wondering, Forehead has, of course, a giant fucking forehead. And he has a very New York accent, too. You know, very, like, gangster. Ridiculous nonsense. Yeah, so he gets away with the crate. Fortunately for our heroes, one of these nerds uh, dropped an invitation to Chairface Chippendale's birthday party, and it says that there's going to be the crime of the century there. Um, An American maid is like, I guess I'll let you guys tag along because I'll need backup because Chairface Chippendale is no one to fuck with. So this crate is delivered to Professor Chrome Dome, who is Chairface Chippendale's right-hand man. And it's some lenses that can basically turn the light of a candle into an immensely powerful heat ray. So basically, it makes a flashlight into a laser. American Maid's like, yeah, it's fine. I'll pick you guys up. She picks up Arthur and the Tick in a catering van. 
And <laughs> he's like, basically, we are going to sneak in as caterers. And the tick is like, the tick caters to no man. But I guess Ugh. you'll do the thing. Yeah. The list of that. villains that are there is fucking ridiculous. And my favorite <laughs> was the guy with ears like little raisins. <laughs> Chairface is also given a henchman. Dean, who has the strongest hands in the criminal world. Anyhow, the heroes are found out as they are trying to be caterers. Arthur does an okay job and everybody else does a bad job. Shocking. Exactly. Our American maid throws her appetizer dish like Cap's shield in boss mode as she like does a flip and rips off her catering outfit to show that she is American maid. But they still end up getting captured because... Dean, with his very, very strong hands, uh, grabs all of them. <laughs> and then they end up getting lowered into a pit of alligators because what kind of a villain are you if you don't have a pit of alligators or some sort of it's true snappy-jawed beastie? It's true. <laughs> they end up swinging back and forth and are able to escape with teamwork. So the crime of the century that Chairface is going to do is that he is going to write his name on the moon with a laser. Why? Um, I'm so glad you asked. So basically, <laughs> his whole life he was different, and nobody ever liked him, and he wanted to, everybody to be able to remember him forever. No one fucking cares about you, dude. Yes, it's true. Ugh. Except for me, Chairface. I care about you. Maybe he wouldn't want to have written his name on the moon if he met you before. True this. facts. Or maybe he would have met you, and he just would have murdered you, because mm-hmm. clearly he's a psychopath. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> well, do do do, ba 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 ba. He gives a big speech about mm, my life is sad, and then starts to carve into the moon. The heroes climb up a precarious cliff because, of course, there's a precarious cliff. What the fuck are you doing? They make their way up. Arthur starts the stops the ray at the end of the first A. So there's cha on the moon. American Maid fights Chairface and Tick fights the rest of the villains. <laughs> Basically, and then Arthur grabs the flashlight, blinds Chrome Dome with it for like half a fucking second, and Chrome Dome's like, my eyes! And it's like, it's literally just a flashlight. He didn't, there's, he just took the flashlight out of the ray and then blinded you with it. But you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Um, Sometimes flashlights can be really bright. It probably was a very decently bright, but (laughs) but it was also like, aw, you're a supervillain, buddy. Come on. Tick defeats Dean and the rest of the people, and then American Maid duels with Chairface, who um, is backed up against the wall. He pulls out a gun, and the Tick is like, nope, I'm going to threaten you with the heat ray, and I will just... It's fine. We'll just end everything here. And then they end... He's like, well, no, I'm not going to let my life end here. So they all end up going to jail. And Chairface ends up swearing vengeance, and the Tick ends up giving a speech about American Maid having a heart of gold. And then he's like, also, Arthur, you have some stuff on your face. That's the end of that episode. And now the moon says, cha. In another episode, episode 13, The Tick versus Arthur's Bank Account. This episode opens up with a father and son fishing on a lake. And the terror, who is a old-timey bad guy, who was a bad guy back in the 
Basically, he was famous in like mid 1900s and he worked with Joseph Stalin on a bunch of evil capers. And then he went under for a long time. And then he came back up just right now with these fishing people in the 90s. Um, and then on the news, you see some of the terrorist history. Like he said, friends with Joseph Stalin. Uh, he punched Teddy Roosevelt in the face. And then after Teddy Roosevelt died, he punched Mount Rushmore in the face because commit to your bit, I guess. Um, but yeah. He's old as fucking shit. He's probably like 120 years old. Gross. Uh, yeah, icky. So they see this on the news and the tick is like, we have to amp up everything. We have to get better superhero shit. We have to come up with battle cries and shit like that. And Arthur is like, I have a battle cry. My battle cry is not in the face, not in the face. And it's like, it works for you. And the tick is like, well, mine is spoon. Arthur's like, I don't get it. It's like, you look at it. It'll come. I was going to say. Does it ever make sense? No. Does it kind of work? Yeah, a little. I think it's just his weird heroic voice, though. You know, I can't pull that shit off. I don't have that gravitas. There are a bunch of other nonsense things that the Tick wants to upgrade so that he can fight the terror and all of the other nerds with the terror. But the Tick doesn't actually make any money, so it's all coming out of Arthur's account. And Arthur is previously an accountant and also currently anxious. So <laughs> I feel that not a great combination. No. Um, the nerds that are hanging out with the terror right now, uh, we have the human ton and handy, which is a morbidly obese moron who is very, very strong and his seemingly sentient, uh, know-it-all sock puppet. Tumla, which is a, an insidious alien with aspirations of destroying the Earth. <laughs> Stalingrad, who is not Stalin, but he kind of looks like Stalin. And he went to grad school and he studied a lot of stuff about Stalin. And then he went into Stalin-type supervillainy. And then also the man-eating cow, who apparently eats men? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Since the terror can't tell the difference between Stalin and Stalingrad... Handy is like, we need a new leader and it should be me. And he does end up winning. So cool. Good job, guys. Um, meanwhile, at the same time, the tick is driving Arthur crazy because he keeps getting fucking more nonsense shit. Um, a tick signal, a grappling hook, a secret message cannon, a crime tower, which is just like a tower on top of his apartment. Not ideal. Um, and then a chemistry set, which he blows up Arthur's living room with right after he's informed Arthur that he maxed out all of his credit cards. So Arthur kicks him out and he goes to pout in the crime tower on top of everything, which it literally looks like a, like, it's like a shitty tree house without a tree. <laughs> mm. Dot, Arthur's sister is like, you should go talk to the tick and work it out. She's like, he's your best friend, and you don't really have a lot of friends, which is a true sister. And he's like, you should work it out for it with him for me. And she's like, fine, I'll fucking do it, because you guys are a mess. The other superheroes in the diner over here, and they worry that the tick might not be in good enough shape to fight the terror. Also, Stalingrad is just hanging out there and reading the paper, and so he pops back and reports to his teammates. Dot tries to talk to the tick. And he ends up being a butt about it. He also sings and feels bad for himself. And then an American maid shows up and is like, the terror has hijacked city, city. <laughs> so 
Sorry, I didn't realize that was a post. <laughs> it is City City Hall, but that's... I hate that so much. <laughs> and the villains tell the cops that are outside. You guys all have to leave or else we're going to kill the mayor. American Maid and Arthur arrive to go deal with this. And they're like, we need a distraction. <laughs> and Arthur distracts them while American Maid turns on the tick signal. Which he does by saying... I'm Arthur, and this is my distraction. And then he recites the itsy bitsy spider and then yells not in the face a bunch of times. <laughs> um, the tick is crying in his weird treehouse and being like, Destiny, give me a sign. And then the tick sh signal shows up like literally right then. So here we are. Uh, so he leaps into action. He cries spoon and he bursts through the window with the grappling hook. Joseph Stalingrad tells Tuna Law that he's always loved her, and she tells him to grab onto her armored Mumu and they'll leave this world behind, which is my ideal love story. The Tick battles Human Ton, Arthur battles the man-eating cow, and American Maid goes after the terror. Uh, the man-eating cow is actually really friendly and gives Arthur, like, a snuggly kiss, and he's like, um, oh, okay. Exactly. Um, and the cows then, are rude, actually. A lot of cows are probably very rude. Some of them are small and fuzzy. and Most we'll of them pretend. are not small and fuzzy, and most of them are rude. Mm -hmm. Well, this As one, someone who's actually worked with cows. <laughs> who's been around real cows. Yes. Yeah, I only, I only know internet cows. <laughs> That's true. And the cows at the fair, which I'm like... Hi, I'm petting you, Andy. Yeah, you've never been, like, it. run at by a cow. No. It's not fun. I don't want to be run at by anything. <laughs> Period. End of story. Cats, maybe. That's really cute. The man-eating cow turns out to be friendly. Um, and then American Maid easily defeats the decrepit terror. And he's all like, ooh, it's a woman. I'm so scared. And she's like, hmm, the times have changed. And you're a dick. And then she throws both high heels at him and pins him to the wall. And he's like, weird terror mobile so the tick during all of this is having trouble with the human ton but arthur grabs handy from him his little puppet and then stomps him into the dust and then the human ton just faints <laughs> and then the tick is like arthur i forgive you and arthur's like what you can't forgive me i forgive you and there we go uh, and then we get a patented tick speech that talks about evil coming in many forms be it man-eating cow or joseph stalin it's great and then the last episode I'm going to talk about today is season two, episode three, Armless But Not Harmless. So this episode starts off with uh, villains Venus and Milo, who are goofy as shit, uh, and a couple. And Venus is kind of like, she could hypnotize people, and Milo is just an inventor, but also her husband. I don't know. Um, but she does... In the beginning, when they are trying to rob the city art museum, uh, hypnotize the tick and talks about, like, oh, everything's going to be easier for him. And then Arthur smacks him and snaps him out of it. They chase them off to the ladies' room, Venus and Milo, and they go in there. And the tick is like, oh, I don't know if we can go into the ladies' room. And Arthur's like, okay, I think we can because we're, you know, 
finding bad guys who just went into the ladies' room to get away from us. And also a man just went in there too, so it's not really a big deal. Um, but before they even arrive, Venus and Milo are swiftly dispatched by a stall door being opened by Plunger Man, who is an ordinary plumber who hit them by accident, who comes out and is holding a plunger. And the tick is like, thank you, Plunger Man. Then there is a commercial for the 45th Annual Enemy Awards. All the best villains, yay, party party. Uh, Venus and Milo didn't get an award because she fucked up this plan and she's pretty bitter about it. So she formulates a plan to create robot duplicates of the Tick and Arthur using their real arms, which Milo will steal with his newest device. But why... A very good question. <laughs> I genuinely don't know. It's, like, well, if you're like, going to make them robots, why do you need their arms? Just make them all robot. Like, I get that you're trying to do this Venus to Milo bit. The, like, no arms. But, like, you're leaning in so hard that you're trying <laughs> to fall over on your fucking nose. Which I get as a person who frequently leans in that hard. It's frequently a bad idea, just so you know. <laughs> advice. The Tick and Arthur are trying to do maneuvers where basically the Tick jumps and then Arthur catches him and flies him around. Except for Arthur is a weak, pudgy is accountant. Is a weak baby? Yes, who his only power is having a moth suit that can actually fly. So uh, it's not going super, super well. There's, and there's no times... Sam and Bucky action here. <laughs> yeah. One of the times that he jumps, Arthur is literally just like lying on the ground and panting. And it's like, oh, well, no, wait. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so, of course, he does jump and he crashes right through into venus and milo's limo that is driving around for whatever reason you know lots of convenient superhero nonsense uh venus attempts to manipulate him uh after he has fallen and probably gotten a concussion and it starts to work until they hit arthur with their car and then he's like what the fuck but obviously not what the fuck he escapes the limousine, but Milo uses this gun that literally it shoots at them and then their arms just pop off. <laughs> Convenient. That happens often. Normal. <sighs> yeah, so he ends up stealing their arms and they get in the limousine and drive away. The tick is like, it's going to be fine. We've got this figured out. And Arthur just screams into the void. That's like, fair. Yeah. He has no arms. <laughs> yeah. So they uh, then try to phone American Maid uh, for help. But she is actually, she's like, mm, I'm sorry, can't. I am toppling an unauthorized dictatorship. So I am busy. Sorry. You're going to have to handle this one on your own. While wow, this is all happening. Milo finishes the robots (laughs) and they begin a crime spree. So the robots just look like robots that have like almost like a bucket head that has like a little antennae on it, but it actually has their real arms. They don't look like them at all. And no one can tell the fucking difference. Of course. Of fucking course. So there's, um, they're in the, um, little cafe place trying to get food and figuring things out and watching the news and the guy who's working there ends up calling the police because he sees them on the news stealing things and um the police come in and they're like 
come out with your hands up. And the take is like, we can't do that. We have to flee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they are chasing They literally have no hands, Martha. They have no hands. (laughs) (laughs) They go into hiding and they end up resting for the night on a rooftop and lamenting their current situation. And Arthur sees in one of the newspapers, which he grabs with his mouth, that Venus is stealing a bunch of women's clothing. He's like, she must be putting together an outfit for the enemies. So they go to the Evil Eye Cafe, which is a cafe where all the bad guys hang out, which sounds boss as fuck, um, where they are arrived and they're invited in and everybody is hyped and they say that like they're on the road to an enemy. But the forehead is suspicious and is like, hmm, I just don't feel like you guys are actually bad guys. He's like, okay, here's a test. So, if you are so evil, eat this kitten. And he pulls out this kitten, and it's just like, a little poofy white kitten. It's like, mew. And, of course, the tick is like, what? No way, mister. That's just wrong. Eating kittens is just plain wrong, and no one should do it ever. So, obviously, he refuses. He fights all these bad guys with just his legs, and he saves the kitten and carries it away in his mouth like a mama. (laughs) As one does. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and they end up managing to get the location of the enemies from the forehead. Uh, so Tick and Arthur notice that there are some costume performers in the alley outside the building, and they steal their costumes to disguise themselves. And then they're like, well, you actually have to go on stage because you guys are performing a tap routine, which obviously they do not know, and they have no arms. <laughs> um, but they manage to keep their cover. Outside, uh, Plunger Man is actually allowed in as he was called in on some business. Uh, Venus is presented with the award for the most improved villain of the year, but her speech is cut short by the Tick and Arthur, who uh, chase her and her gang backstage, and they are overpowered by some robots, by the robots with the arms, but the Tick manages to convince his arms to come back to him (laughs) and smash his robot. The plunger man arrives at the right time and he attaches his their arms because he has a toolbox because he is just a plumber. And then uh, Venus actually surrenders out of fear of plunger man. And then the Tick and Arthur explain themselves to the police who forgive them and they enjoy having arms once again. Yay! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, so just to finish up, here are a few more weirdo fucking characters. There is <laughs> Poodle Superheroine, that's literally what she's called, who is just a superheroine who dresses like a poodle, who carries the poodle gun, which is a giant gun that it shoots, shoots poodles. It shoots angry poodles at people. Poodles are so mean, too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, the mini ones. Yeah. Big poodles tend to be chill. Those miniature poodles tend to be... They'll fuck you up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rude. Um, pig leg, aka the deadly bulb, which is a reformed light bulb themed <laughs> superhero who has a living pig in place of his lower leg. So he just, just has a full pig. He just has a full pig as his left leg. It's just like like from the knee down. It's just a pig. Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, that is the correct response. Uh, sewer urchin who is basically like. A very, very socially awkward version of um, Aquaman, who is like in this 
purple sewer urchin outfit and above ground he is incredibly mediocre and a friend to Tick and Arthur and in the sewers he's revered as a king Um, (laughs) Torso Porcupine who is a superhero that can protrude and shoot spikes from his body and then um, also Omnipotus Humongous who is a spacefaring villain who eats planets however he's not entirely evil mostly just lonely and one of my absolute fucking favorites besides Cherface Chippendale, the Midnight Bomber What Bombs at Midnight, which is a wildly insane wannabe supervillain who constantly tells stories of conversations with an unknown individual. He's just a weird fucking dude who wants to bomb people. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's fine to have aspirations, but does it have to be this one? Yeah, so that was the tick. That is a big chunk of my childhood. I was going to say, I learned a lot about the tick today because I knew... Very, Nothing very about yeah. the dick. <laughs> it's good stuff. Like, I watched those episodes, most of those episodes, except for I didn't finish the last one because you walked in and I was like, ah! <laughs> I have to turn this off so that I'm still sneaky about shit. <laughs> than a New Day pancake. More fun than a super kick party. It's the wrestling podcast from the host who is the hammer swinging, burrito eating, well you know the rest, of Thunder Talk. Sexy Thor! It's the ring of thunder found in the Thunderverse and among the great podcasts of the ESO Network. about that decision making i liked it it was real good decision making very decisive we're gonna have pastry puffs or dinner everyone all right my turn on a very different topic obviously (laughs) first of all you know what day in december this is coming out the first exactly and secondly it's you yep so i'm gonna talk about today one of my favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> I literally have no idea because there are. And Martha couldn't say anything though because she had booze in her mouth. Oh so no! Made elaborate hand yes. motions. That's more my jam, anyways. <laughs> so I am going to talk about the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> with this because I was like, I wonder. I wonder. It would be really fun. Okay. So, for those of you being like, what was that laugh about? (laughs) The spirit of Christmas. How often do you think that actually? (laughs) Is a movie. And it's not about the spirit of Christmas at all. (laughs) Well, I guess it is a little bit. But it's a play on words here. Yeah. But I'm changed. So if you're looking, uh, me and Martha, our favorite, one of our favorite things to do at Christmas time is to drink alcohol and watch shitty Lifetime, Hallmark, yes. Netflix, Hulu, Christmas movies. If it has a shitty romance in yes. it. Yes. 
We are so. It started when I think it was the first year that the fucking Christmas Prince came out. That's when we started doing it a couple years ago. Yeah. And we make sure we watch the new Christmas Prince every year, and they're all horrible. Yeah. But they all, they're all horrible. They all include that stupid little girl who oh, I fucking hate. She sucks so bad. I just don't want She's any so children bad. in my stupid Ew, Christmas no. thing. So, but Christmas movies are great. But this one. Doesn't have any children? Doesn't have any children. Yes. And it's actually, for still being under the corny, cliche Christmas movies... It's so good. It's actually really good. Not just because everyone's hot. Yeah, so first off, there's actually hot people in it. Because for some reason, Christmas movies never have hot people in it. Or they'll have only a hot lady, and then both of the dudes are kind of trolling with you in the face. Like, or come they on, like they there's a whole shit ton of no aspiring actors that are hot. Let's give me some hot people here. Mm-hmm. Also, can I have, can I make a small request for more queer Christmas romance? Yes, there isn't very, there's not very many of those at all. And it makes me sad. Um, queer romcoms, period. usually some form of children in them, Ew. and I don't like that. No. And they're usually all just very... Replace the children. I was just going to say very unrealistic, but this is probably the most unrealistic Christmas movie of all. But it's at least enjoyable. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We are still holding that... I'm still holding to that Venmo offer that I made. $5 if you can come up with... Two episodes ago. Yes. I'm going to... I'll post it on Instagram because I didn't actually post it. It's all good. Yeah. I had to post our, our... poll instead which more people think nightmare before christmas is a halloween movie i agree which i get i voted for halloween so it's fine did you vote i also voted for halloween (laughs) cool all right if you're looking for a christmas movie to watch this year that you haven't seen Mm -hmm. it's on hulu for free i've watched it about like 40 times this year I'm, that's probably not yeah. that much of an exaggeration no, either. It really isn't. <laughs> yeah, it, it pops up frequently yeah. in whatever streaming service that we use mm-hmm. for it. Hulu. Okay. Yeah. It's just because it's like a good. It's a good it's solid. It's just, easy. Yeah, and I sometimes just need to put it on in the background. We get it. So it's the same reason why I watch Thirty Rock, Parks and Rec, and uh, Leverage every like three days it's fine Mm -hmm. and like so what's great about this too is even though it is definitely a christmas movie it still has a spooky vibe to it so it makes it fun and makes it different it's good so Mm -hmm. let's talk about it i'm just gonna basically you know if you haven't seen it i'm gonna tell you what happens in this movie (laughs) there's some spoilers Uh... if you don't want it spoiled then go watch it and then listen to me recap it Mm -hmm. Oh, no, do you want for me? Hey, sometimes so, you just have to recap a movie. Yeah, it just happens. I understand. Yes. So the movie opens up with a man walking through the woods. Snow's on the ground. It's night out. He pauses to take a breath, removes his hat, and looks at his pocket watch. Then when he looks up, he looks at a brightly lit house. We are brought inside the house. The piano is playing 12 Days of Christmas in the background. Ba, 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 the place- ba, 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 ba. It sounds much nicer because it's by a piano. <laughs> the place is decorated for the holiday, and it seems as though there's a party happening. A very pretty blonde, seemingly distraught, grabs her coat and walks outside. 
the man we saw in the previous scene is still outside. So he sees the woman walk out onto the deck and sighs a breath of relief. But right after, another man walks out after her and pulls her into an embrace. The man from the woods grows upset by the sight, closes his pocket watch, places it back in his pocket, but before he can anything can be done, there's a jarring noise and the man falls to the ground. We aren't sure what happens to the man as he lays on the ground and the scene goes black. And then it brings us to the start of our heroine story. A very pretty brunette is in a restaurant with her boyfriend. Actually and very pretty. And, 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 yeah, she's very pretty. And is in... <laughs> let's oh, just say, I forgot how much I love this. Yes. Also, yes, the scene is great. I will start out by saying Martha and I might be a little biased because it is from she is from Boston and oh, yeah. she works in Boston. And though the story, and takes, she's kind of bitchy, and she's has she has a great attitude that she's Martha and I can great. relate to. Yeah. We immediately loved her. Yes, but like if you don't, you have bad taste. Yes. So. A very pretty brunette is in a restaurant with her boyfriend, and it's close to Christmas. Her name is Kate, and her boyfriend seems to be, it seems like he's about to propose. (sighs) But with a shocking, or maybe not so shocking twist, depending on the Christmas movie, he ends up breaking up with her. (laughs) But in another shocking twist, she's relieved to find out that that is what the case is, because she thought he was going to propose. And we find out here that she's an attorney and she doesn't make time for guys. And this is a normal pattern. She finishes off the discussion, which is probably the best move ever, by eating his fucking dessert. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, it's such a, like, so many power moves at once. Yes. And you're just not ready for it Especially as a Christmas since, movie. And, and any, like, weird Christmas romance, it's like... Always the heroine is, like, weak and sad. Well, exactly. That's why, like, so this happens in Christmas movies where they think they're going to propose and they don't, but then they just cry about it. For four and fucking she, weeks. Yes. Until something happens and she until finds out she was in love with her something. best friend anyways. <laughs> These are some hints. Do you want that money? Figure it out. Oh, shit. All right. So next we are brought to Kate at work. She's tasked with selling Hollygrove in by the end of the year with the possible promotion if she gets it done. So no problem. She thinks she'll get an appraiser there tomorrow and go from there. But it's not that easy. Her boss informs her that two had already gone and then ran out before they could get it done. Why? Holly Groven is rumored to be haunted. Yep. Kate rolls her eyes. Girl, seat my own heart. Yeah, same. And she'll go and hold the appraiser, the next appraiser's hand to make sure it gets done. <laughs> nice. So we are finally brought to Holly Grove Inn, which, fun fact for all you fun people, is actually <laughs> in Massachusetts. It's a really pretty inn. Um, this says it takes place in Maine, but it is a place sort of closer to the Berkshires. But it holds it's weddings real? and all. Oh my yeah. god! So, we could so go? I don't think it's called Holly Grove Inn, but yeah. it's like an actually really pretty inn in Massachusetts. So we're brought to Holly Grove Inn, and it is indeed the same place as we as the first scene with the man outside. As Kate pulls up, the appraiser is already running to his car, and then he speeds off. Annoyed, Kate parks and heads inside to see what all the fuss is about. She meets the innkeeper, Walter, who lets her know that he's in the middle of closing. Even though it should be busy season for an inn like this, he lets her know they close early every year because it's tradition. He also informs her that Daniel, the ghost, scared off the appraiser. Though he never harms anyone, he doesn't like unwelcome guests. 
Kate sees a picture of Daniel on the wall, and Walter lets us know that he's the he was the owner of the inn, and that it is of utmost importance to him. That's an actual word that Walter used. Because I would never say utmost ever. <laughs> I would probably only say utmost if I was being a sarcastic yeah. dickhead, which happens frequently enough that. <laughs> Who knows? (laughs) As you get a better shot of the picture, you can see that he appears to be the man from the beginning of the movie, though it is clear that the picture is an older one taken in the early 1900s. Dun, dun, dun. Walter tries to get her to leave, but she says she still has a job to do and that she has a set of keys, that she's a big girl and can stay overnight. Even though Walter tries to tell her it's not a good idea, she just tells him he can stay with her if it will make him feel better because she's not going anywhere. Because she's a boss. And she doesn't believe in ghosts. And she's a boss that doesn't believe in ghosts. Mm Because ghosts aren't real. Except in this movie. And on Halloween if you burp. (laughs) Fast forward a couple of hours. Kate's on the phone with her boss setting the alarm. Then she's in bed reading a book. The clock chimes letting her know it's midnight. So she turns off the lights and goes to sleep. At this time the front door opens and a man walks in shutting off the alarm. Being awoken by a noise, Kate flips her light and grabs her phone. Suddenly, her door to her room swings open, grabbing one of those pointed nail files that I can only imagine she was using right before she went to sleep. Yep. She gets out of bed and slowly goes downstairs to investigate. A man appears behind her, tells her she's trespassing. 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 (laughs) This makes her jump, and she hits a close by like bookcase, and a ball falls on her head. Just as she's passing out, we see a shadowy figure of the man bend down towards her. All the while, there's like that creepy vibe and creepy music kind of going on in the background, where you don't really know what's going on. Exactly. This seems bad, but when Kate awakens, it's day. She's on a couch, and she's covered with a blanket, and she can hear a piano playing 12 Days of Christmas. Going to investigate, she finds a man playing the piano who looks a lot like the man in the photo, Daniel. They argue about who is trespassing. So annoyed, he throws her over her shoulder and brings her outside, closing the door. Reopening the door, he throws a blanket at her and then recloses the door again, locking it. Luckily, she has a phone with her, so she calls the, though, probably only policeman in this towny town. Towny town? Towny town. In this tiny town <laughs> of Maine. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> in this towny town. It's probably a town. You know, town. it definitely is. The sheriff comes, checks it out, but finds nothing, and says that whoever it was probably ran, up, ran off, and to make sure she locks up and sets sets the alarm. Swearing that she did, he just kind of gives her a look, and like anyone ever, she then doubts herself that she did it, so it was like, okay. So the very next scene, after he leaves, she is setting the alarm once again. Feeling a little uneasy, she goes to her bedroom, locks the door, and then goes into the bathroom, also locking the, locking the door. Feel you, girl. Mm. And <laughs> Actually, that is. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sidebar. <laughs> when I started listening to way too much true crime, <laughs> way too quickly. Thank you, Crime Junkie. When it was when I was staying, uh, watching the two pups, but they had a lot of entry points to their house, which freaked me out. So whenever I would shower, I would go into my bedroom. And I would lock the door in my bedroom, but I'd bring the dogs into the bedroom with me. 
so they'd be in the bedroom with me while I took a shower. <laughs> and oh. like, and the, 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 the yeah, bathroom was exactly. attached to the bedroom. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I mean, fair. I get it. Mm-hmm. All right. So she's locked in her bathroom and she's just trying to feel a semblance of normal because it's been <clears> a weird <throat> night slash day. So she's like putting on her makeup when she finishes, she walks out of the bathroom and is startled because Daniel is standing in her room that was supposed to be locked. He holds up a large ring, ring of keys and informs her that it's his in and he has all the keys. Mm-hmm. Also tells her he doesn't want to harm her, but he just wants his solitude, which he probably says about 40 times throughout this movie. Yeah. And Kate quickly grabs her cell phone, walks back into the bathroom, and locks the door, calling the sheriff again. Fair. <laughs> She doesn't come out until the sheriff knocks on the door. He once again says he doesn't find anything uh, and makes a crack about how maybe it's a ghost. He leaves after locking all the windows and the doors and tells her to make sure that he sets the alarm behind her. Daniel appears again, letting her know that he knows the alarm code as he activates the alarm for her like a dick bag. Weird. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm changing it to fuck you. Kate starts to fear that she may be actually going crazy, but looking at the photo again, knows that it's impossible and it just couldn't be the same person. But on cue, Walter appears telling her that it is very much possible. For those of you who don't remember, Walter is the keeper. Keeper. Bro, dude. He's a good old dude. Yes. So, with Kate, Daniel, and Walter now all in a room together, Kate calls bullshit on Daniel, who is currently eating an apple, and grabs his arm, saying that he can't be a ghost, and he feels completely real. Walter explains that at the stroke of midnight on the 12th, and, and, and until the stroke of midnight on the 24th, Daniel isn't a ghost, and he is very much a living being. How they tell her a curse, which she also calls bullshit on, so they decide to show her instead. Girl after my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck You're are you like, a curse? About? Okay, eat my butt. <laughs> yep. Uh, she has some great lines, too, that you guys need to watch. She's snappy. Yes, it's awesome. All right, so Daniel drags Kate outside to the property line. She questions why they're out there, and without a word, he just steps over the line and disappears. She walks over the property line herself just to make sure that it's not a trick, and when she realizes it isn't, she runs back to the house, saying that she believes him, but there's no way in hell that she's leaving now, which he isn't pleased about, and he's still eating that apple. Eating is a a thing with him. What a nerd. So, scene cuts to Daniel eating more food, which is a theme to the movie. Fair. <laughs> he can't says be that alive. when yes, and he says when he comes back, his senses are heightened. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a parallel I keep throughout the whole movie. Hmm. I'm not thinking about that. I'm looking very respectively at everything here. Respectfully. That is the actual word. Respective isn't a word. Well, It is, but it is it's not, not the word, the word, word for this. Cool. I, I don't know where like all of the blood in my brain is right now. Not here, I guess. It's a little south. Huh? 
You're thinking about Daniel's broad shoulders, which we will talk about later. <laughs> and his fucking suspenders, which I know I've mentioned 30 times, but it's Those important. also get brought up while we talk yeah. about that scene. <laughs> if you have to be a ghost, come back in hot, uh, hot regalia, because that's what matters. And be hot, also. <laughs> also just be hot. Yeah, period. So, with a quick chat with Walter, Kate decides she wants to figure out how to break the curse. Daniel is not thrilled about the idea, but she convinces him finding out what happened could break the curse and then he can move on. Also, I watched this movie twice today. I watched it once and then watched it again when I had to pause it and write this because that's all I just wrote this whole thing myself. <laughs> I assume that there isn't like a week between. I mean, there might be, but I didn't Google it. I was like, I'm just gonna do it myself. I'll make the Wikipedia for it. It's, it's fine. fine. I wrote the, the whole fiction. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. They decide that they want to break the curse, and they think that maybe they can break this curse if they figure out what happened to him. And even though Daniel isn't thrilled about the idea at first, he decides, I guess we should do this because I want to move on and not be trapped in the cycle. Yeah, that sounds sucky. So, with this, they start to discuss what he was doing the night of his death. We find out that he lived during the time of Prohibition, and that he was what he liked to call a rum runner, which is just a bootlegger. Mm -hmm. And he... Oh, to liberate booze. Yep, you know, and she asked him why he needed the money since he owned the inn, and this is when we're introduced to a few other characters that we saw in the beginning. His brother Charles and his fiancée Lily. Blonde. The blonde. And Charles is the one that ran out after her on the deck and hugged her. Gross. What the fuck, yep. Charles? Uh, we also Don't hug ladies. Yes. He's, ugh, Charles is the worst and we'll continue to learn why. <laughs> he also gets introduced to we also get introduced to his co- cousin Harry who is the one who got him into bootlegging. We get a flashback where we find Daniel is having financial trouble and Harry is offering him a spot in the rum run, on the rum running team. And it's a <laughs> The rum running team. Yep. Also, I just said the rum running. <laughs> no, it's fine. If you run rum. No, that is you run rumming. No. Rum running, not run rumming. Rum running. What if you just run rum rum? It's fine. I'm just Rum's gross. Anyways, he, he turns him down and then he walks. And then Lily walks in. There's some flirting. Um, and as we see, it's apparent where this is where their relationship started. The flashback ends and Kate questions him about her being what she calls sweetheart. I just call lover. And he says yes, but remembers vividly the night that he saw her betray him with his brother, Charles. We also find out Charles wanted nothing to do with the inn and wanted to sell it the minute their parents died, and with that, he walks off, all sad and mopey. Mm. <laughs> you have 12 days, don't mope. Eat. He just wants his solitude. <laughs> You're literally dead the rest of the time. Aren't you always solitude? <laughs> In <Terry>? solitude? Solitary? <laughs> That's the word. I got it. I figured it out. (laughs) 
All right, so we get another flashback. Lily and Daniel are having a moment and talking about turning the room they were in into a library. He asks if they could live elsewhere, and she just says, why would they do that? And she just loves the inn so much. Uh, with that, Daniel decides that the bootlegging thing is going to have to happen or else he's going to lose the inn. So Kate and uh, Daniel and... Um, Walter? Walter. Oh, I keep wanting to say another random W name. Willem. But, well, it goes, it's different from like, sometimes it's Wilson and sometimes Tell it's Tell me Webster every time because I really want to know. It changes. I like that. <laughs> I wish his name actually changed in the movie because that would be fucking hysterical. And she's oh. like, wait, didn't you say your name was Walter? It's like, no. I said my name was Wilson. And then the next time she sees him, she's like, Wilson. And he's like, it's Williams. But thanks for remembering my name. <laughs> it's not like my feelings are hurt or anything. So they call it a night and we'll pick up the past digging in the morning. But we do uh, learn that Daniel doesn't sleep while he is alive and is awake for these 12 days. Oh, yes. So that's why he is. So mope while you're like, well, everybody else is asleep. Come yeah, on. I don't fucking know. He just wants his solitude. I'm also just going to keep saying that. Solitude. <laughs> he also asked Kate here why, what her husband thinks of her being here on her own. She says she's Gross. not married and tells him to hush before she makes some old maid comment and how things have changed since the 20s. Mm-hmm. He comes back with the people don't fall in love as opposed to a sexist comment that I'm sure, assuming everyone's waiting for. Yep. And she says some people do and I haven't and just walks away to her bedroom. Fair. But while on her way there, she does hear some strange whispers and when she goes and checks them out, they're gone. That was just me calling a cat, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's not a very It's weird how cat noises and dog noises, though similar, are different. Yeah, no, but they are very different. Yes. Like, because, like, with the cat, it's like... It's weird, like... With the dog, you're like... (laughs) That was, like... Friday the 13th, though. I wonder if that works next time you see a dog. <laughs> next time I see a dog. Or like a... Come here, Because you know next time I see a dog, it will just be somebody else's dog. So I'll just be like, Hello! Somehow Martha tried to make that cute. It didn't work. (laughs) All right. Next morning, we get a quick scene of Daniel before there's a flashback of Charles and Daniel arguing over the rum running. Daniel calls Charles out on being in love with his fiance Lily. And like a dweeb younger brother, he makes some gross comment about, at least I'll take her feelings into consideration. I just want to punch him every time he's on the screen. I hate him so much. The flashback ends and it lands us with Kate, who's reading a book in her bed and her door slams. Thinking it's Daniel, she gets up to investigate and ends up in her room, which brings us to the best part of the movie. She walks in and Daniel, he is topless in suspenders, ironing his shirt, and fuck, does he have some nice back muscles going on in suspenders. Suspenders. 
suspenders. They went out of style and it's a shame. It's fine. It's not fine. He looks fine in them though. And he's yeah. really good back muscles and they show his abs a little bit and he definitely has this really good fucking I don't know. You can't I know what those are. And I can't think of them right now because it, it, things, but they're real good lats, some real good lats I going on. Lats and then I was like, I don't right. actually know anything. Yeah, they're so the I lats. Shut the fuck up. They're, those are your lats. Okay. And everything's good. So um, they throw some words around about being about each other's rooms being off limits, but the whole scene is mostly just because. He's topless. Yeah. You know that scene is just him being topless. I assume that and they say totally things fine. in that scene, but I don't It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> if I'm not looking at that scene when I'm watching it, like, but not paying rewind. attention, I rewind it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh no, I missed it. He's putting his shirt on. I might actually rewind twice anyways. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> they go downstairs. He talks more about food, and then they see Walter talking to a lady named Molly. She informs them that her pub, uh, that... <laughs> I thought you were saying pug. No, pug. and this is what the actual sentence says. She informs them that her pub burst, and she needs them to open for the holidays. What it's supposed to say is she informs him that a, a pipe burst in her pub. Her pub just burst. <laughs> And she was hoping they would open for the holidays so she could um, hold the annual Christmas party. So Daniel quickly shoots it down and just seems like a crazy weirdo. Kate gives him a pep talk being like, hey, if you don't fucking cool it, they're all going to find out that you're this ghost and then you're never going to get your solitude. So shut the fuck up and follow my lead. You big fucking baby. Fair. So she brings up being like, hey, I can bring all my people here. Like, you don't need every, anyone. Um, and my bartender's great. And he basically laughs at her, basically saying that no one is as good at making a drink as him. Oh, so Molly gosh. issues a challenge and him being a man can't turn it down. Mm-hmm. It is the way. <laughs> Especially in 1920s man. Actually true. <laughs> and 1920s white man. Oof. In Maine. <laughs> We're leaning hard onto a lot of this thing. I'm sure if he was realistic, he would have said things like, uh, which we are not going to get into. <laughs> and but he probably would have been a lot worse than he actually was no. being from 1920. <laughs> All right. So an impromptu Christmas party happens, but it turns out that we learn a lot of good stuff here. Yeah. First, we find out about a budding romance between Walter and Molly, but that's not that important. But it's kind of nice. It's cute. Cute older people getting together yeah. is cute. <laughs> it's um, not just hot suspenders. Yeah. <laughs> it's just mostly hot suspenders. It's mostly hot suspenders. And but Molly does start to dish him some good information. We find out that Charles and Lily were married just after Daniel had been found dead. And not long after, Lily had a baby. Rumor was that it was a sham and the baby came too early to line up with the marriage of Charles. So the townspeople gossiped that it was Daniel's. Mm -mm. And unfortunately, the child only lived for a few hours and then Lily only lived a couple days after that and died in the end. Bummer, 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 bummer. Exactly. Daniel, standing right there, hears all of this and storms off. Kate follows him, and they fight over the fact she was saying that they were getting good information, so why would he storm off? And then he had to remind her that this was his life, and even though it happened long ago for her, it was just, it just happened for him. 
So I know we don't know the answer to this, but do you think he remembers all of the rest of the weird Christmases that he lives in the end? So I think he does, but since it's only 12 days, it's not, yeah, and it's only 12 days. He only has 12 days every year, so that's not a lot of time, even though it's been. Prohibition wasn't a long. Yeah, yeah, it was in the 20s, so even if it was only, say, 80 years ago. 12 isn't that many days. So for him, it's, it hasn't been that long ago. Yes. I don't know what 80 times 12 is. Hey Siri, what's 80 times 12? 860? 960. 960. So it's only a couple of years for him. Yeah. So yeah, so he's like, it wasn't that long ago for me. And also he didn't have any idea about the baby or Lily's fate. Mm. He only knew about the marriage. Kate softens and tries to be like, it's okay. It seems like it was all cover. She clearly loved you. And with the simple, I don't know, from Daniel, we're brought to another flashback. Charles told Lily about the bootlegging and the flashback opened with them arguing about it. She makes Daniel promise her he'll be home by Christmas, which he does. And it's a promise he won't be able to keep if he goes through with the bootlegging operation that they're doing. Hearing this, Kate calls him out on his bullshit and goes a little overboard by saying, you lied to her and she probably hated you for it. I know I would. And maybe she killed you. Telling her that... (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Bitch, love her so much. (laughs) Tell her... like, I started saying a thing and then I just kept going. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna get it worse and worse. And it gets worse. (laughs) Telling her that she crossed the line. She just snaps back. Well, at least I'm not a jerk who lies to his pregnant fiance, gets himself killed, and then leaves her to die in a probably loveless marriage. (laughs) Martha understands this putting your foot in your mouth and keep inserting it until you've eaten your whole leg. Yeah, no. I usually start with the toes and I'm like, well, I could probably fix this. And then all of a sudden, she's up to her knee. I'm like, most of my thigh is in my mouth. I'm like, I'm choking to death on my own fucking hubris. So clearly he's pissed. And uh, he tells her that they're done with what their little fucking experiment is and try to figure this out. And she needs to leave by tomorrow and fucking leaves the room. Girl yeah, after damn, my girl. own heart. Oh man. <laughs> I love her so much. Like, I'm pissed and then it's like, oh no. I said the thing and it's like, well, I already said the thing. <laughs> Might as well go balls deep on this thing. <laughs> Regrets. So knowing she fucked up and having that pep talk with Walter, she decides to make amends by getting a Christmas tree. And while she's looking for him in the house, she walks into a room the door slams behind her and voices can be heard and then a dark shadowy something is appears in the bathroom she screams (laughs) and daniel quickly comes running in she calls him out on uh doing that and other door slamming and weird voices but he denies it all and says she he just came running as soon as he heard her scream he hugs her it's cute I would have probably gripped a little bit at him. But Absolutely. At, at the same time, she had a scary ghost experience. 
So Take advantage of your scary ghost experiences. <laughs> um, but this is where we find out that there is another ghost in the uh, Ghost in. Ghosts. Yep. That's my new band name. <laughs> Actually, that's a super good band name. So they have a moment together and have a little apology session, and Danielle asks her, asks her to stay. She agrees and is like, hey, I bought you a Christmas tree because I also felt bad because I went way too deep into that shit. In my fanfic, the apology session is just sex. As it should be. That's Obviously. the appropriate apology session. I'm so sorry. Very, very sorry. <laughs> Let me show you exactly how sorry I am. Take your pants off. <laughs> yeah. And also your shirt, but suspenders, please yes. stay on. Just this one, the suspenders are dangling there. His pants are off like, too. Uh, can you leave underwear on? Do you have normal underwear or is it old tiny underwear? Because old tiny underwear is just never attractive <laughs> for any person ever. Shit. They start decorating the tree, and while decorating, uh, Kate reveals that she believes that she's a little bit of damaged goods when it comes to finding love. Her parents got divorced when she was young, and she's been a little bit off about love and relationships since. Daniel tells her that that's just not possible and that he knows that she is capable of love and uh, feeling a bit awkward and blushy about it. She sort of just shoves the angel into him and tells him that he is earned the honor to put the angel on the Christmas tree. But the scene does end with them holding hands in front of a fully decorated Christmas tree. There is a quick scene where Kate is getting ready in her bedroom and they are arguing, uh, getting ready for bed in her bedroom. And they are arguing uh, about him staying in her room to make sure that the other ghost won't try anything. He ends up winning the argument, and but does sit down the chair so that it's facing away from her bed. Boom. And, but remember, he doesn't sleep. So that's another thing where she was like, you're just going to be sitting here. And he's like, I'm not going to hover over you while you sleep. Do the fan fiction. Shh, 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 shh. <laughs> Fuck. I hate every part of my life right now. Oh, no. Also... <laughs> Just an, I, I want that to be the one like mod to add to that fucking movie. Oh my god. That would be the literal fucking best. Fuck. <sighs> there is a brief moment in the night where he hears his name being called, but he closes the door to a room and remains in there, and then there's no other incidents till morning. Next morning, the three of them being Willis and <laughs> being Walter. <laughs> Daniel and Kate. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> you started this. Yeah, no, I, I love it. It's a good fucking bit. I'm sold and I'm here for it. They're in the kitchen and they're, I wrote booking breakfast, but they're cooking breakfast. Hey, they could be booking breakfast. You know. Um, <laughs> like, who's here for bottomless mimosas? Me. Me. <laughs> They're just going over everything they know, and um, he talks about how he, so he being Daniel, talks about how he quit. It could have been Willis. I just wanted yeah. to let you know. Yeah. Uh, it talks about how he quit run, run, rum running. Rum, rum, rum. So it could be the boss who tried to kill him. 
<laughs> so this jogs a memory of Daniel, of Daniel's that he's never had before, and it comes in the form of a flashback. It's a night, this is a night of his death where he's walking to the house. He remembers seeing Lily and Charles, and then he is smashed in the back of the head. We also find out that he's been gone for 12 days, the same amount of time that he becomes human. Huh. So it is now official that he has been murdered oh. and that that 12 days has probably something specific to do with his curse. Dun, dun, dun. I feel like why become a ghost if you're not... I mean, I guess if you're like, if your death is something like... Really bullshitty. They figured he was murdered, but he was still hoping he, like, slipped on a rock. And I was like, I would definitely rather be murdered than slipped on a rock. Slip on a rock in front of, A, your brother who definitely wants to bone your, like, sort and of you not life with Lily, you were going to be home by Christmas and you were literally, like, ten steps away. Yeah, no. <laughs> if, if that was it, that would be way more horrible. Like, just, uh, if it's, and it's a fucking quick murder. It's not even that bad. He's dead. He's murdered. Yes. Okay, we got that. So Kate gets a call from her boss and she has to go back to Boston. But she promises she'll be back. Daniel gives her a pocket watch that has been broken since he died, but it means a lot to him. They share a moment where they probably should have kissed, but she just awkwardly gets in her car and leaves. In your fan fiction, they will do it in her SUV. Obviously. He'll come out and be like, wait. And then, then that's and how... And pull off his pants with the suspenders mm -hmm. still on. You don't have to worry about prophylactics if you are dead. His senses are heightened. Also that. <laughs> how he doesn't just have a boner the whole time, I don't know. I had a boner the whole time. What? No. But, but maybe. Like, you know. What is happening? Oh, no. So there's a scene where Kate gets annoyed with her boss... Walter and Daniel have a bro talk about girls over some chess. <laughs> the like nerdiest, like <laughs> pushing I've ever said. Yeah. I'm going to push both of them in a locker and one of them's a ghost locker just in case. Uh, Daniel calls for an appraiser and Kate doesn't find out until her boss tells her. He also tells her that she can't go back to the inn and that he'll be announcing her promotion at the Christmas Eve party. What the fuck? Christmas Eve First off, no business should ever have a Christmas Eve party. That is family, like, close friends yeah, time. Exactly. Like, if any company I ever worked for was, like, Christmas Eve party, be like, no. I can't go to a Christmas Eve party. Christmas and I don't Eve is, want to. I don't want to, and Christmas Eve is the main thing for my family. So, no. Fuck yourself. You can do it a week before, a couple days before. Like, the fact you that have you the whole fucking plan this. Yeah, you have the whole month of December. And as soon as December starts, Christmas parties start or holiday parties start. Mm -hmm. Because so, you have to plan your shit. Exactly. So you can't have it on Christmas mm -hmm. Eve or on Christmas because that's not work time. You can always do it in January. Yeah. Because people still want to have fun in January and January is just death and boringness. It's and not cold. as much death here though because it's not as cold. That's true. <laughs> That'll be different. We then get a couple of scenes of Daniel wandering around aimlessly, clearly missing Kate. We finally see him laying outside on a snow-covered bench, and then he hears someone playing the piano from inside and goes inside finding Kate playing 12 Days of Christmas. Not so great. She's not doing so great, say, but she's trying. I wonder trying. how many times 
She, I wonder if she paid somebody for a lesson. I assume she was like, I need to do this as my romantic thing. And was like, oh no. Why did I do this? And why does he like the 12 days of Christmas instead of something easy like joy to the world, which is just just hot crust buns. (laughs) Oh, like I was just thinking a basic Christmas song, but that's fine. It's just do, 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 do. That's it. You could just open up with that and play it four times. Because 12 Days of Christmas is the theme of this fucking I get it. Spirit of Christmas. I just don't like that song because it's very long. It's true. If you've ever gone caroling. So you should listen to the Muppets version. Oh, absolutely. It is 100% enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And Miss Piggy always sings the five golden yes. ring parts. My favorite part is where she chooses, takes over and goes, <laughs> Oh my fuck! Oh, okay. Well, obviously, I haven't been listening to Christmas songs as often as you, but I totally forgot about that. I like, grew up listening to that soundtrack. That one in the Mickey Mouse one. It's so good. It's so good. And Meep was in there. Yes. I don't know if you've ever heard me quote that, but I say that all the time. No, I definitely have. <laughs> I 1,000% have. So next scene, we see them sitting together and Kate hands a birth certificate over to Daniel. It's for Lily's son. Not only did they name him after Daniel, it's Daniel's name on the father's line or however birth certificate works. Daniel's son. Did they have like the mother and father? No, that was a weird karate kid name. And I hate it. Joke. But this is proof enough that the marriage between Charles and Lily was a cover uh, because, heaven forbid, a woman have a child out of wedlock and in the 20s. Um, Even if your person died. Yeah. Well, I guess. But they weren't married yet. Yeah. They were only engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and that she truly loved Daniel. But they were still doing it because they're people. Mm. And they were both hot. Yeah. That's fair. She had fun dresses, too. That's true. She was cutie. She was cute. Mm-hmm. Kate's uh, more my type as a yes, person who is. Yes. A super bitch. But she also how Lily also was like snappy. That's true. Like when they were flirting, she would she would like answer quickly right back. And then when she found out about the bootlegging and they were arguing over it, she was like, No, don't fucking blame other people. I don't fucking want you to do this, you fucking dick face. <laughs> without those words. Yes. Cause she would Did he ever be like, I can't afford this place without No, because he was a man. Why are men so bad at talking? Yeah. See, queer romance, queer rom-coms are going to be very different because you can't just be like, bad communication. Or you can, but it's a very different bad communication when it's like, cute gay girls who are like, I don't know how to talk to anybody ever. How do I tell this cute girl that she, I like her? And I'm like, you're so cute. And she's like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, no. Not like that. No, I want to fuck you. That's not, I'm not trying to say that you're cute in the way that every person tells a person that they're cute. Help! (laughs) Alright, so Kate and Daniel end up having a hug together. (laughs) You could just say hugging. (laughs) As you can tell, once I said it, I was like, why would you say it like that? (laughs) Kate and Daniel hug. 
and their but their moment is interrupted when Malta and Molly come in. <laughs> that was the best part too. Uh, listeners, you didn't see this, but there was a like hand motion, like you were giving a hug to someone. They're having a hug together. <laughs> Why would you say that? You don't speak like that. That's not proper English. Words. Ah, shit. So, but they're interrupted by Walter and Molly bringing in boxes of poinsettias to decorate for the Christmas Eve party because it is Christmas Eve. Oh. Now we lead up to everything that they've been working for. It's Christmas Eve night. Kate is in a pretty red dress. Daniel's in a really nice fitted suit. And there's a few hours until the clock strikes 12 and Daniel is gone for another year and the curse still isn't broken. That doesn't stop Kate from giving Daniel back his stopwatch, which she had fixed, or his pocket watch, not a stopwatch. (laughs) (laughs) My old-timey stopwatch. (laughs) Mother tracker. (laughs) See, if you press this button, it glows in the dark. (laughs) Old-timey, though. Shit. It's just like a nice glow, (laughs) not a neon color. You hit that button and a candle, like, lights everything (laughs) up. So, this doesn't stop Kate from giving Daniel back his his pocket watch, which she had had fixed, and of course, they end up kissing. But, like, a quick kind of awkward, let's, we need to go to the party now, I don't know what's happening, kind of thing. Because no one is good at feelings. And no one's writing the fan fiction. (laughs) No one's writing the fan fiction where they skip the party and just nail each other because they only have a couple hours left. Let's not do this. (laughs) Um, so there's a few cute dancing scenes and Daniel and Kate are dancing Walter dances with Molly someone cuts in to dance with Kate and Daniel steps off to the side and this is when things start to happen Daniel sees what looks like a flashback playing out in front of him of Lily and Charles arguing about Daniel they appear to walk outside and he follows them this is this is where we get brought back to the scene that we saw at the beginning, but we only saw a very small part of it. Mm-hmm. Daniel's standing there observing, but he's clearly not like there. It's obviously something being played out and he's just watching it. Lily look, uh, talks about how she believes in Daniel and how he will come home. Charles being a fucking dick, just trying to steal his brother's girl is basically bashing Daniel's character. He sucks so bad. He's, he's so annoying. ugly. And Daniel's so hot. He's so, so don't know and he says something about needing uh some kind of miracle and when she replies with a corny it's christmas what what a better time for a miracle what a better time she's basically crying and he pulls her into a hug and this is basically what daniel saw right before he got smashed in the head of the rock and died what we see next is daniel he's back in the party so he never really left. He's just seeing stuff happening. Yeah. And Lily is holding his hand, or what we, we can assume is Lily is holding his hand. Though it's clear that no one else can see her. We hear her ask him who, who wasn't there. He suggests that it was the bootlegging boss, but she counters with, would he do it himself? And it's then that Daniel puts it together. He looks up seeing Harry, also a ghost, holding a bloody rock in his hand. Which you don't was remember Harry? who Harry is, his cousin who got him into the bootleg. I was going to say, I definitely forgot about yeah. him immediately. 
So Kate notices Daniel is basically staring at, at what appears to be staring at nothing. So when he walks off, she follows him. They go upstairs and it's officially revealed that Harry is the second ghost and in that he is the one that killed Daniel. And slammed the doors. Yes, he was the one doing all the spooky things. Uh, Harry tells them that he had to do it, uh, that they thought Daniel would tell, and that if Harry didn't stop him, that his family, Harry's family, would be killed. And I think he, like, just had a kid, so there's, like, an infant and a wife. He'd been trapped because uh, he doesn't want judgment for murdering Daniel, but Daniel forgives him and he's able to move on. Daniel, who's apparently the only one who can see Lily, realizes that him being trapped is not a curse, but it is actually a blessing, and it's because of Lily's miracle and wanting him to find peace and understanding. So Lily goes somewhere, I guess, and it's just... Finds peace. (laughs) So Yeah, soon. So she's been just trying to there, like, trying to just hold everyone together in their entrapment. Can y'all not... Can you boys not? <laughs> okay, so Kate, like, please just let me be dead. <laughs> so Kate and Daniel are in some room now, and I don't know what room it is. It's a it's room. an inn. There, there's many rooms yes. in this inn. Um, Kate says that she's not really sure what to do from here, and that she thought if they figured out what happened, that he would move on. But he's still there, so she's like, I don't know if it worked or what's going on. Mm -hmm. But then she quickly basically says, sorry, not sorry. And she confesses her feelings for him in a typical Christmas movie fashion, saying that she's never felt anything like this. And she's been waiting to feel like this forever. And when he tries to argue that he only has 12 days and it's not fair to her, she says she'd rather have those 12 days than none at all. 12 days is like perfect. <laughs> For Martha, it's perfect. I would like 24 days, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, if I could get 12 days twice a year, yeah. that would be great. Because summertime is great too. And like, you know, that's double the excuse to be shirtless with it's suspenders. True. So there's no reason to ever not have a shirt on in the yeah. summer. There's no reason to ever have a shirt on in the summer. (laughs) We're doing so good today. I'm so close. (laughs) All right. (laughs) With my heightened senses. (laughs) This fanfic is definitely getting written, but I'm going to be at least this drunk, if not more, to write it. We can bring out the hard shit for that. (laughs) Hey, hey. All right. That'll so, be my, my Christmas present to you. I hate you so much. <laughs> but secretly, I want that. <laughs> Shit. So it's minutes before midnight, and she tells him that she will wait for him to come back year after year. They kiss. The clock strikes midnight, and for some reason, she passes out. Mm. I don't know. Too much champagne. <laughs> Her sense And excitement. Oh, okay. <laughs> Similar lines of thought there. Can you pass that, like, heightened senses out? Over? And you get a heightened sense of you. Get mm-hmm. a you can sense. pass it only through kissing. Oh, it's like an STD. Huh? It's like that very scary monster. <laughs> 
was just going to bring that up. Yeah. All right. So he covers with, with the blanket and realizes, even though it's past midnight, that he's still there. When he looks up, he sees Lily waiting, and she tells him that he's free. She takes his hand, and they walk outside together. As they're about to cross the property line, which I assume is like crossing over point, he stops and tells her to wait a second, and he looks back up at the house and then back at her. She smiles at him and simply says, My love, the choice is yours to make. She lets go of his hand and walks over the line, vanishing. We are left with him looking back and forth between his two choices, Lily or Kate. Also, just to let you know, I spelled Lily with two L's and one L <laughs> through the whole thing. I never just stuck with one. I love that you're never consistent about <laughs> no, your spelling. No, it's fine. <laughs> All right. Which is weird because I have so many emotions about how somebody spells their name. You want to know why? Because I'm just an awful speller, so I can't get hooked up, hanged up on it. Or it's all good. It's not going to go well for me. I'm a very good speller. It's one of the only yeah. things that I'm good at. But I, re- I know I've told you that I won a Harry Potter spell. Yeah, game. yes. And don't worry. Spelling is one of the only things I'm bad at. So. Hey. I got you. I was also making uh, I'm awesome joke. It was a, like, backhanded, and I took it. I took it anyways. I'm fine. Right up the ass Backhanded, like, hey, I am smacking you in the back of the face with a compliment that is still me punching you in the face, and I'm like, I'm fine. I've got a high pay tolerance. This is fine. All right. It leaves him with his two choices, either Lily or Kate. We don't know what he does as the next scene is Kate waking up and she is getting ready to leave. She finds out that Walter and Molly ended up buying the inn. And even though they aren't sure if Daniel will be back or not next year, they will keep the inn safe and how he would want it to be remembered. She walks outside and sees something coming through the woods. She starts to walk faster and it flashes to Daniel also walking at a fast pace through the woods. They run to each other, I guess. And I made a hand motion with that just so everyone knows. And she asks how, and he simply says 12 days isn't enough. They kiss and he wishes her a Merry Christmas and the credits start to roll. And it's super corny, but but it's also just different. And the characters are more likable. And the story... And I think because the story is obviously outlandish, it's you can appreciate it more for being ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it can be corny and cliche and ridiculous and dumb because it's not... Yeah. If you're like, actually, we're leaning into weird sci-fi with this anyway. Yes. You're like, (laughs) okay, I guess I have to think about how somebody fucks a ghost. Um, I mean, no one would think about that. No, it's so good. I just, and I just like how they like play with the creepy factor in the beginning. Like, like, is this going to be a creepy movie or is this going to be a romantic Christmas movie? And you're like, it's kind of a little bit both, but mostly romantic Christmas movie. It's good. Also just, just having a heroine who isn't like a pushover bitch. Yeah. Who, who isn't a pushover not bitch. Yes. She and she's not just the like the I'm just gonna work and do this and and, so and sell your property even no. though it's gonna ruin your town. <laughs> Sorry I don't care about your bakery. <laughs> 
It's just, it has enough qualities that it is clearly like that cliche Christmas movie, but it's different enough that you can enjoy it. If you like that shit, yeah. we highly recommend yes, it. Yes. If you don't like that shit, we, we highly care. recommend it. Yeah. Also, you already listened to however many hours about this that we talked about. So you might as well actually watch the movie yeah. and see this hot dude in his he's, suspenders and, she's and only pants. also awesome. And she's super cute. And she's relatable. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like she's a real person. You Like, you can relate to her. I can't relate but to not, most other people. She's in relatable, but not relatable in the way that, like, some characters are just blank and bullshitty. Yeah. That opening scene, I think that did it for us. Yeah, well, this is exactly how both of us would react to an unwanted proposal that we were expecting. The fact that she I might took his up. dessert and ate it That's was so a, on point. <laughs> and, like, enjoyed it and, like, didn't care. He's like, like, thanks, oh, yeah. I have my own dessert in front of me, but I'm also going to eat yours because it's so good. <laughs> Especially, like, you know what's the best dessert? Not being proposed to yes. dessert. And then she clearly is, like... By, like, the wrong person, but just not being proposed to, period. <laughs> Don't propose to Martha, guys. We'll make it, both of us feel awkward, because <laughs> I will make it, you feel just as awkward. Oh, no. P.S. Don't love Martha. Not Ooh. like that. Yes. It's going to end with exactly. all of us. The same as proposal, feeling awkward. <laughs> Or if you do, send me, like, poems. Yes. Don't send her poems. Send her gifts. Well, send me gifts, like, with Amazon poems? gift cards, and then send me a poem so that I can send it back to you with all of the grammar corrected. <laughs> that would be exactly, like, you won't be happy, but I'll be so happy. I will also be happy. Yeah. That will be up on our fucking fridge, but with the corrections. And we will talk about it on our podcast. And then we'll definitely post it. So if you want to be talked about on our podcast. Any weird romantic thoughts about me. Send a $100 gift card Mm -hmm. and a poem. Mm -hmm. Martha will correct your grammar and we will talk about it on our podcast. Yeah. Fuck. All right, <laughs> we need to eat. It's late. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed years. to fucking spin in the morning. Oh, no. It's fine. It's fine. I'm gonna spin. It's gonna happen. But I need to eat food. So make sure you rate, you review, you subscribe. All on Apple Podcasts. Please do it. I will hunt you down. <laughs> I will find you. She will, and I will follow her and laugh in the background and stand tall as my tall friend. Yes. I am the tall friend who says, yes, she's right. (laughs) And also you can find us on Spotify. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't realize that was my cue. (laughs) You can also also find us on the ESO Network and on Podbean. And you can always follow us on Instagram at the First Let's Talk Nerdy. And then, of course, email us at... But first, let's talk nerdy at yahoo.com. With that $100 Amazon gift yeah, card. We're here for that shit. All right. We'll see you next Tuesday. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public store. 
which can all be found at esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.